Dear Toastmasters, we live in a highly technological world. Every day we are bombarded with thousands of news and articles about how the technology is affecting the world out there. We heard that quantum computing is on the rise. We heard how cryptocurrencies are being influenced by one particular person and by what he had to say in the media. We heard how G5 is being developed and how the information war is ensuing. We heard about all of this news every single day. News coming, coming, coming everywhere. Technology is developing so fast and we have to learn. We have to learn them so fast that it is as they say in Alice in Wonderland. You have to run as fast as you can used to stay in the same place. That is why we, Toastmasters, and in particular our club, Bulls and Bears, are here to strive to learn more every single day. We strive to communicate better, to improve the articulation of our thoughts and ideas, and of course, to learn about new and interesting topics even technological ones, as the one we have today. Today's meeting is highly technical, highly technological, I have to say. We're going to discuss a topic that has become, in the later years, very trendy. That is the topic of DevOps. And let me just do a very quick survey around here in the audience. Please raise your hand, those who know what DevOps means. Nice. I can see a, a few people. That's good. That's good. And now, can you please raise your hand, those who have heard about the concept about DevOps before, but still are not sure what that means? Okay, perfect. I can see some other hands. <laughs> That's good. So we're going to find out about this particular topic today. Just to give you a very brief introduction, according to Wikipedia, DevOps is a set of practices that combines on one hand software development and in another hand IT operations. That is why software development, dev, and IT operations ops. It aims to shorten the system's development life cycle and provide continuous delivery with high software quality. We can quickly identify two aspects here. First, shorten the system development life cycle. That means that programmers should code faster, should deliver faster, but also provide delivery with high software quality. That means that what we programmers code has to be of good quality and has to serve the business purpose. But what are these practices? What is, how can we actually apply it and how can we benefit from them? We'll hear about that in a moment. Today's meeting is very particular because we're gonna have, we're gonna listen to a project, a level four project, which is create a podcast. This project 
is focused on the creation of a podcast, as it says, but we're going to hear it live. That means that we're going to be seeing how our speaker is going to be interviewing our, our subject matter expert. And not only that, but we as audience, we're going to have the chance to discuss and to ask questions ourselves. That is why I would like to encourage you to participate in the discussion and to also let us know if you have any doubts and if you have any questions for our expert. Now, without further ado, let's dive into the topic of the future of DevOps and allow me to introduce you to our speaker for today, Federico Navarrete. This is a great opportunity because in our podcast, we always focus on trying to understand, trying to understand the future of technology. And this time we're going to hear about a very important person, someone that I met some, let's say like a year ago through the internet that is called Maiche. He's organizing different workshops all across Poland, mainly about IT. He's a trainer and he has been in the IT area for, let's say, a lot of time. He's an entrepreneur and he's trying to build a lot of things. Even if he says seven years, come on, seven years to be in the IT area, it's not a short time. It's not, it's not, to be honest, he's not a freshman. He's telling us a lot of, he will reveal us more things about this topic and more importantly, opening our eyes because yeah, many of us could have heard about the word DevOps, but even the expert, yeah, I have seen some of those calls that people are more confused than what really is this and they don't really understand. And that's why maybe, Maciej, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how did you get started with DevOps? What did attract you to this topic? And how did you get involved with the Institute? Yeah, do we have audio? I guess. Yeah. Mm, let me think. It was by a chance, I would say. I just happened to, to get some practice in, in those DevOps, let's say, context environment. It's it's like a combination of different technologies, philosophy, culture, methodologies, etc. But it's 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 not defined. It's it's not defined like if you would take a look in, in an encyclopedia term and you would you would know what, what it is. And maybe that's that's the beauty of it. <laughs> Of course, some people try to codify that, and, and that's good. Like uh, Mark Hornbeek, I guess. Yes, the book Engineering DevOps. Like he he proposed some blueprints that you can actually use, like engineering blueprints. Uh, so on one hand, you have this philosophy, uh, culture thing. It's it's like uh, unspecified. You have some idea about what it is, and on the other hand, you have codified methodologies. Like pick what you like to be honest. And on the side note, like um, it's good to side with the winners as let's say there are some signs that the agile movement is basically dying. <laughs> so no, no point in sticking with the losers, I would say, on, on the whole market game. Uh, but that's only my opinions. <laughs> and I guess that's that. Oh, Institute. Yeah, Institute. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my business partner. Basically, they you can get a license and you can also train in Swing DevOps. They have eight of those, ranged from foundation, site reliability, engineering, continuous testing, security, 
leadership, um, continuous architecture, so how to build the whole pipeline and a thing called agile service management. So how to how to do iterative approach in service management. That's a that's a curio, let's say, because one one person from the DevOps Institute created that. So that that is uh, as if I would create a, my own methodology and say, okay, that that's my own, and I will just certify people on that. That's a product. Cool. It has some good ideas. Not everyone can resonate with that. Okay, I'm fine. And in and in your experience, how would you define DevOps after being involved in for a while in this area? Okay, once again, that's an opinion. <laughs> And this will probably evolve. Uh, how to, let's say you have three, uh, three items that you need to put into the equation to have the, the output. You have practices, engineering practices, technology in, in one thing. Then you have business reality. And then you have culture, philosophy, etc. So you put technology, engineering practices, through the business needs and then put it through the sifter of culture and you have the output so it's a combination of those of course it's not like a mathematical equation on that because every business is unique though one one oh the lowest common denominator i would say you can say once again an opinion you can say that you have devops if you have at least continuous integration without continuous integration well, it's a far-fetched statement that you are doing DevOps because you still need to be able to create some software. Of course, you can maybe create DevOps, try to implement some DevOps practices in different domains, like um, not really creating software, but maintenance or just just business. If your core business is not creating software, okay, you can use some of those concepts like chat ops, uh, continuous integration of ideas into one repository or, or like business proposals, etc., etc. But still calling that DevOps. Well, the paper will put up with everything. <laughs> Do as you will. And there is another question about something that in my case, when I read and heard the first time DevOps, popped immediately in my mind. How do you define operations? And why I'm asking you this? I used I used to work in a company that is mainly about accountants. Yeah, there is an IT department. I work in the IT sector. But when I hear operations, my first thought, accountants, HR. I never, never thought in the IT operations. Never. Because for me, it was the accountants. And because this is the terminology that over 2,000 people uses in the same company not even us the IT department use the word operations mm -hmm. um, okay I will differentiate operations <laughs> because like the, the way with words language is at best imprecise like if I think that anyone would be happy to have like the one true definition of, of any word because you would be able to sell that word and you would be able to tell people that hey your definition is wrong mine is right pay me more <laughs> like come on with scrum and all those methodologies define it service management different providers have different definitions which clash <laughs> this is pointless like what is continuous integration you have different definitions here and there and even there are two concepts i would say 
same terms, different definitions, or <laughs> same definitions but different terms, which is just like mind-blowing situation, I would say. Uh, still, okay, operations, like business operations, everything that is needed to run a company, uh, human resources, a payment system like payroll, what else, sales, anything that regards how the company needs to run day by day. So it can encompass everything, like depending on the company. You don't need to have a human resources if your company <laughs> counts five heads, yeah? You can do it by yourself. Just try to scale up without some kind of human resources. Well, maybe it's possible, maybe not. I'm not at that point yet. And then you have IT operations, uh, maintenance of servers, systems, hardware, code base, what else? Service management, like a uh, help desk, service desk, uh, so customer, uh, how do they call that? Uh, well, customer service, basically, someone calls, hey, I have a problem. And how do you handle that? You have some probably service level agreements, so the time agreed to fix something that is not working, or you basically sign your soul that you will deliver something before the time stops <laughs> and you will need to pay some fines. Uh, yeah, that's my definition. Interesting. Let's see if our audience has any questions for you. Let's check. If you if you have any question, feel feel free to unmute yourself and ask them because it's important that you have some new thoughts about what we're talking about today. Well, it seems that for the moment the people are still thinking about the next ideas. Now let's go. In your opinion, how does DevOps influence the future of the IT sector? Tremendously. Like containers. What was first, Docker or Kubernetes? One of those. And after that, you have a totally different approach to how to build applications. It, it just... You know, it just happened, like a change, not really changing paradigm, <laughs> it just created a new paradigm, a new approach. And then you, you have cloud, on the other hand. If you do not feel like you can afford the whole infrastructure, or maybe, or maybe you don't even want the whole infrastructure on-premise, you can use cloud services, of course, the costs can get out of hand pretty fast, and you cannot, you know, calculate properly, but, well... It's good to know mathematics, okay? <laughs> uh, what else? How it defines? De oh, okay, IT is a cake. Take a look at it like that. Everyone wants a bite of the cake because that's a pretty rich cake. If you have a good application, and people will buy that because you promise them that, well, you will have more, uh, uh, more stability or more velocity of sorts or less... Uh, as, like the escape ratio of bugs would be smaller or whatever combination of those metrics that you can measure in entities related to creation of software and then you have different companies which compete in the arms race it's it's a war in the business world <laughs> like if you have something then someone else will try to create something even better so that they sell and if you have if you are vendor locked like for example if you need to use microsoft teams then of course that's that's a pretty convenient in a way because you don't even need to think about the better applications because you cannot use them. Eh? <laughs> so yeah, that that DevOps created a whole market. 
And, and now let's go a little bit in depth. One, something that I've been wondering because I've been in the IT sector for a while is why we never thought in DevOps in your opinion in the last, I don't know, two decades because the IT software development has been, I don't know, like for five or six or even seven decades already, but we never thought on it. Uh, but let, I just need to ask this, but never thought of it by ourselves or never try to adapt it while know that it exists. While what, knowing what, that it exists. What I mean is that when I used to develop software, like let's say in the beginnings, like 14 years ago, there was nothing similar to DevOps. And the closest thing you started to use to version, Git later, but mm -hmm. There was nothing like continuous delivery, continuous integration, or anything like that that was very popular. I think it was mainly in the last five years that was like a huge boom. And I'm wondering is how we never thought on this that could have solved a lot of problems when we have been developing software for a lot of time. Um, l let me risk a <laughs> uh, an opinion, like a guess, I would say. Uh, if you don't know what's going on or why something happens, it's probably because of money. Like 15 years ago, uh, companies need to run somehow. They need to sell. Okay, they have limited budgets, unless your surname spells Wayne or McDuck. <laughs> I don't know because mine doesn't spell like that. Um, then you don't have unlimited money. So people, maybe, I, I think that there were such applications on the market back then, but people were not interested in buying them because that would <laughs> mean that they need to invest. And if they invest in that, they would not be able to invest in something else. That's, that's my logic. That's my uh, point of view, I would say. Uh, and now at one point, what happened? GitHub, GitLab, you know, freemium or free access or I, I'm not really, mm, I'm not really sure about the license because there is a difference between free and freemium, etc., etc. Maybe maybe that changed with time, but you can use it, okay? Up to some some kind of transaction, a number of transactions, I guess. Uh, and then you would need to pay if you're trying to get the enterprise license. But that's fine, of course. So you know you have something that is working, and for free and popular. And if it's being popular, people are using that. So people are actually developing that, providing their own opinions, bug fixes, maybe even some kind of uh, modifications to the source code. I'm not really sure whether GitHub and GitLab are open source. Sorry, not into that. But yeah, it's, it's like open source community. People are somehow flocking to that, creating that, building upon that and creating their own versions, of course, of, of, of similar applications. Um, so, yeah, it's like popularity propelled model. <laughs> and besides, there is no better, I believe, application to have a repository. Yeah. And now maybe let's listen to Edgar's question. Yes, yes. Uh, I have a question that we we were talking about how how DevOps was uh, created until now, and for the last few decades we have been working with Agile. That's that is like what has been growing and has been evolving. But at the beginning of the meeting you mentioned that there are some leads that 
Agile is dying. But from my perspective as a software developer, it's actually the way around. It's, it's growing. Because you, <laughs> you can see now like more architectures, you can see more models. So c can you please like tell us what are these leads that you are seeing that Agile is dying or why do you think so? Uh, maybe that that was not the be best word. I would say decline oh, decline in popularity. Maybe that that's a better uh, statement. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, like, do engineers really need some agile practices? Because that that's common sense. Just stop every now and then, talk talk with your colleagues about what's going on. Maybe introduce some cadence, like in flow management approach, like Tainflow. It's been there for years, and now you can put attack agile on anything. If I would have a sticker, I can put it on my forehead. <laughs> I'm agile. Uh, like, what does it even mean? It's it's very hazy. Now everyone can call themselves agile. Okay, so okay, as an umbrella term, you can say that. Yeah, we focus on iterative, on incremental approach, depending on what you're doing. That's fine. That's fine. But it, it, it's been there for years. Okay, so like if you would even do so 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 called waterfall because there is no such thing as waterfall. Like try try to find the term in, in uh in literature, like even in specialized literature, there is no such thing as waterfall. <laughs> it, it's just called like that as a strawman because oh we are good agile people and here is the strawman waterfall and we can punch him punch him punch him. Like but <laughs> like before agile was introduced projects, work, programs, etc. were still being delivered. And the mm -hmm. su success to failure ratio, like, I don't even know if we would compare, for example, some report for uh, from five years, the previous five years, let's say only waterfall or incremental and compared to Agile. <laughs> I can bet my five dollars, let's say, that, <laughs> that those statistics would be similar. Okay, like, faster feedback, that that's reasonable, but to be honest, like if I'm having my company now, the longer contracts are very, very comfy. Like imagine someone's trusting you that, okay, I will just pay you this and that amount of money. Okay. And you will deliver me over two years. And I don't even care. I will not even attend your meetings. <laughs> I don't care about that. I trust that you will deliver. Cool. High five. <laughs> That's very mm -hmm. common. Mm -hmm. and, so, and on the other hand, just, just to close this one, like yeah. attending those meetings, it's like I've had this situation last time. Like we've ordered something, like some, some piece of software, and the company was not really delivering that. So right now, if I don't trust anyone, I would even demand to see you know the results because I, I, I'm not rich yet. <laughs> I just put my money, I invest my own money, so I want to see what I'm I'm, I'm paying for. If they are not mm -hmm. delivering, then, well, maybe it's not like I would flip the finger or sue them because that's problematic, but I would maybe be able to stop investing, but still those companies want, want the, the full price on top because that, that's how it works. Like continuous funding, maybe someone uses that. Never seen that alive. Mm -hmm. So if, if I understood correctly, uh, you you think that agile is dying because like it has become just a buzzword that ev now everyone is agile and like they don't even know what they are doing but they claim to be agile. 
Oh, let, let, let's compare that to how myths may be created. You have something that happened. I don't know, maybe some person lived like the uh, Braveheart from the movie. Like, is, is that person even real? Or, or Shakespeare? Like, like th there is no proof that there was a person that, that you know was called Shakespeare. Of course, there are different theories that maybe it's even a made-up made up entity. So something happened or someone existed that did something that was concrete. But as the time passes, people are modifying the information, like adding whatever they want on top to, to get their gains. Like, like it's like that, that te telephone game that you have 10 people, you have one sentence and they need to repeat the sentence and they will, of course, warp the message. So the more time passes, the more the, like, let's say, core, core idea or the understanding of the idea changes over time. And people will, of course, modify things to fit their needs, which is called evolution. <laughs> so, but uh, like, if you would try to oh dissolve, let's say a vitamin C pill in the water. Okay, you have a glass of water, or let's say two two hundred milliliters, and you will be able to fill that. But if you would put a pill of uh, vitamin C into the whole bathtub, which can hold I don't know twenty liters of water, that would be diluted. So the, mm -hmm. and th that's my that's my point. The, the whole premise behind that, the whole idea, is, is just diluted. It's so hazy that you, you cannot mm -hmm. grasp air. You know, air is it's nothing physical. I can grasp a sheet of paper. Okay, that's physical. But air, ideas, lofty concepts. Sorry, it's, if it's not codified or precise, I cannot relate to that. It's not how mathematics work. And mm. but if it works for you, it works. If it works, it works. That's that's the truth. Okay, thank you. And now coming back to the part of DevOps, you said something that continuous integration is something basic in the, let's say, in the DevOps approach. What do you think are the steps that any company requires to embrace DevOps properly? <sighs> well, get people that can do the work. <laughs> Like, without that, I don't know. You, you can buy all of all of the applications that you want, but if people cannot use them, if they don't know how to use those different elements in the pipeline to create value, because, okay, let's say if that would not be even a company with a commercial intent, a group of people that want to create a open source application. But they still have some goal, okay, we want to actually finish the work. If they would be working with five people, maybe they don't need to have the CI, continuous integration server. Well, it definitely helps. You can do that without some some kind of CI solution, but that would be art for art's sake. Hey, let's, let's prove that we don't need that. But why? <laughs> it's like, okay, I can cook a soup. Or whatever, while while wearing boxing gloves. Well, <laughs> come on, it's it's just funny. Uh, use whatever will give you a boost. <laughs> that that makes sense. Uh, but still, uh, see, I I still think that is the really lowest common denominator that you need to have. Without CI, how to integrate the work properly? You will lose money every hour cost. You will lose money if 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 like a uh, 
a good amount of time passes and you do not see results, end of the line, game over. Well, that, yeah, it's a tricky topic yeah. to go into that area. And now that we have that, let's say I, I even heard a new word that was DevSecOps. I know that the word Sec is like related to security. Mm-hmm. And in your opinion, we didn't think before to directly integrate it because of money, or there was another reason behind, like people forgot that the security is important. Ah, depending on the work workflow model, I would say how it goes in a system development life cycle. Where do you have security phase? After testing, well, depending on the version of the model, I would say I've been working in the in a, such a workflow that you have, of course, all of the standard SDLC. And then after tests, the final gate was security. So it was the servers before a production environment. And it makes sense because that was a governmental company. So, yeah, of course, you, you need to have such people who will be able to, uh, well, sign the contract with their blood. Yeah, because if something happens... Some sad people can visit them, and they don't want such visits, of course. Um, but still, security. I think, if I recall properly, it started with a thing called rugged DevOps. So, okay, try to implement security in every aspect, like shift left, so shift security, uh, actions, requirements, as far to the start of the pipeline as possible. Even try to integrate security requirements, both functional, non-functional, <laughs> into the planning phase, like into the requirements gathering phase even. Start there, because if you will cover the work there, the, the amount of work needed on security will diminish over time. Of course, you will still have some pings, because you would need to check, depending on whether that's a black box, a white box type of application that you're trying to test. Okay, um, and Rug DevOps was a one term. There was also a DevSecOps, and somehow DevSecOps won. Why? I don't know. Popularity. That's that. Um, and now, in in that book by Mark Hornbeek, he introduced a concept called <laughs> Sec DevOps. <laughs> I was like commenting on his post, like, "Come on, but that's like, what's the point if you put the prefix?" At, 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 at the beginning of the sentence, like, what does it change? You, you, just, you just juggle some words. And he was like, oh, yeah, definitely. We have a lot of alphabet soups. Okay, okay, but something, something. Yeah, he gave his clarification in his note, which was, of course, like, rational. But though still, like, creating more entities than needed. But still, people people need to somehow differentiate themselves from others. So in this case, SecDevOps puts even more emphasis on security than DevSecOps. Uh, it's it's very hazy, yeah? <laughs> what I'm talking about right now. It's, uh, but still, try to get into the details. You would need to actually read, read on those blueprints. Because, yeah. Well. So, yeah, I know that this is like a tricky topic. Maybe some of our guests have another questions because, as you said, it's very, say, there are, there are a lot of questions that might have appeared. Yeah. 
but it seems that our audience is somehow shy. And well, maybe let's go to the next topic that we can discuss. You said previously that we can buy whatever tech that appears in the market about, about DevOps. But thinking clearly, which do you think are the ones that are harder to integrate and that perhaps the company should avoid because they are overcomplicated in general? Uh, I cannot truthfully answer such question. Every country has different laws. Like, for example, why we are not meeting on Zoom? Uh, because you have some kind of legal requirements. So, <laughs> you, if you have such legal requirements, you will not be able to use some applications like government, banks. Do they use cloud? If, if that cloud is on-premise, sure. But if it's somewhere in the world, no. Nope. So we need to take a look at different factors like uh, political, econom economy, uh, societal, let's say, environmental. Because if, you, if it would happen that the company that creates a specific application that you want to use, let's say that <laughs> that someone from that company did a very bad thing <laughs> and the whole reputation just flats overnight. Would you like to have such an application in your pipeline? Possibly, possibly not. But still, bad rep. Well, bad rep is bad for clients. <laughs> so yeah, different factors. Uh, but let's let's maybe move move from this one to mm. to something more broad. Uh, let's say you're trying to do some kind of a laboratory on your own. Uh, Try with those popular applications, I would say. You can start with them because if they are popular, of course they are somehow adjusted to meet the needs of the customers, like Salesforce, for example. That, that's a <laughs> very powerful application with different modules, of course. But still, just just start and then try to do some research, attend some conferences, speak with people. They will have different ideas different ways to implement applications, different techniques, etc., etc. Uh, and you will find what, what works for you after some time. But it, it, it's not a short path. <laughs> I would say there are no shortcuts. Okay, there there is one. Uh, it's called per Periodic Table of DevOps Applications. It's, it's on the Xibia Labs. Uh, no, it's now Digital AI Code. Uh, I think we can send you the link later. It's It's interesting because that company created a periodic table of different applications uh, and divided those into categories like type of license and uh, and the purpose. So, for example, uh, where to manage the workflow, what can you use for testing, for security, for this and that and that. Uh, you can, you know, just take a look at that, read some descriptions, put your own pipeline, <laughs> even on paper. And then, of course, there are it's it's not like there is everything there. No, I guess that some people paid to you know to have their <laughs> application positioned on that. But I'm not digging into that. And still, you can always uh, type uh, this name of application alternatives. There are even pages I I've been using that I can also send you the link that has a database of alternatives. Like, for example, type Zoom alternative, you have 130 different applications. Like, wow, I didn't know so many existed, yeah? Just use the internet. 
And which cases do you think they are more suitable for DevOps? Because, well, as you said, there are so many cases that maybe there are some situations that maybe we should abstain of this practice. Although I disagree, but maybe you have a different point of view. Hmm. Not really. Uh, DevOps, depending on how you look at it. If you look at it as a methodology, let's say, so once again, this book Blueprints, uh, it's it's pretty innovative in a way because not even a person before that I know of created any type of codified blueprint for that. That's fine. Then, okay, maybe that would not be suitable for every type of company. Like uh, if you are creating hardware, I don't know, some, let's say, game controllers. You, of course, may use some practices from, from, from the whole DevOps library, let's say, like body of knowledge, which is the internet. Um, yeah, it's, it came around software and it will be probably always tied to software. Maybe some practices will spill out to different domains, but it's mostly software. Uh, but if you look at it as a culture and philosophy, then you can use those practices probably everywhere. And, and and once again, it's it's not a dichotomy. Like if you're thinking in in business terms, you will use whatever that may give you more money, or more whatever you're striving to get. <laughs> That's that. It's it's like a game. Play play your cards smart. <laughs> and let's say that now we have the people that in a company decided to invest in the in in the devil. So they brought you like for you. Let's say for you as a trainer, and then you have like the but by matter of chance, I decided to choose any tool, let's say GitLab. What challenges do you think they are going to face after you have these two decisions? Mm-hmm. Well, trainings, trainings are both, let's say, ways. You can have business trainings. So you speak with people about aspects of DevOps, the costs, opportunities, etc., etc. And you have technical trainings. So, for example, you decided to buy once again, the Salesforce, just just an example, and you want to get people up to speed really fast, so you pay some Salesforce expert to teach those people some tips and tricks. I'm not a Salesforce expert. I know some applications out there, but there are so many. You, you will find people who can provide knowledge. So, okay, you decide on the application. If you can afford to have people to learn that at their own pace, that's fine. They will learn that application. But if you're hard-pressed against time, then you would probably need to invest in some, some training to get people up to speed faster so that they would be able to do more work. And in your case, how do you define the how the, the standards in DevOps? Do you, well, you're part of the DevOps Institute, but what I mean is that do you have like an official guidelines in how do you create the standards do you go to multiple meetings in order to okay this is what are that this is how we define the standards but do you have like an entity or like something that goes into that area Mm. once again this book like really before this book there were no codified standards it was like okay in devops handbook by uh jim kim just humble i guess you have information about continuous integration delivery, but on the maintenance part, 
not, not really, but you have a different book about continuous delivery and maintenance called Continuous Delivery. Well, surprise, surprise. You have this uh, good business novel because it's, it's not technical. It's like a fantasy book but about business reality called Project Phoenix. Then you have Unicorn Project. And it's also fun. It's Unicorn Project is Project Phoenix rewritten from the developer perspective. So how to sell the same thing twice? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah, that, that, that lady who, who wrote uh, Twilight, yeah, she, she did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that they are br brilliant. Anyways, uh, yeah, so it was broken into different publications, different sources of knowledge, and you needed somehow to create your own approach, which is okay. Because if you have a codified approach, it makes some people lazy. Okay, that's dogmatic. <laughs> I put it out of the box. Install, click, run, exe, click, click. <laughs> DevOps, and now I can count. You know, profits. Mm, not quite. <laughs> if you put more efforts into trying to build your own environments, well, you will learn things. You will get battle scars. You will lose some blood and sweat. And you will, of course, curse a lot. But still, in the end, you will come up with something new. Maybe your competitive advantage. Maybe you will even use it. Not, not today, not tomorrow. Maybe in five years. But it's yours. Because you've hard-earned that. Not got out of the box like everyone else. Mm, and I have a final question, Maggie. What are your thoughts about DevOps for freelancers? Let's say someone that goes to freelancer.com or Upwork. Do you think that DevOps is useful for them? Because I will say that DevOps is something like very corporate, at least in my opinion, that I'm not sure how a freelancer can use it. Mm -hmm. Well, to answer that truthfully, we would need to define what is a DevOps engineer. There is not one definition. On a side note, site reliability engineering, the discipline that Google invented or borrowed, that, that's a different story. Uh, they have defined that, okay, site reliability engineer is this and that. And that that's clear. If you're not doing that, well, of course, you can call your position anything, but... It's not really that. In case of DevOps, I've seen different, let's say, combination of uh, skills that would encompass the whole role in different companies. Some people say DevOps. Who is DevOps? It's a programmer who can script or a programmer who can also do some uh, networking, like in Cisco networking, uh, or uh, an admin who can also write some code or, an, or a developer who can deploy his own application. So... You know, like some combination of skills related mostly to developers and some combination of skills related mostly to uh, operations or admins in, in different constellations. It, it's hazy, but definitely if you can code, okay, depending on your on your personal interests, whether you want to write a code or whether you're interested in testing or automation or you prefer to be an admin. Well, it's it's good to have skills from both sides of the virtual fence, let's say. It's always good to know some at least basic programming, like Python, Ruby. Really basics, you can learn them in one or two months. Of course, you will not be able to write some decent applications, but you will get to know how to think in, in, in this way. Same goes for administration. I don't know, install a, a Linux, a like any distribution, learn some bash scripts, like learn how it operates w without a graphic user interface. 
or even go hardcore and install BSD. Ooh, that's hardcore. I don't recommend that. <laughs> you can destroy your own computer with your force of anger because it's really anti <laughs> anti intuitive anyways. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really good to have those skills. I think that the, the market will evolve in, in a way that companies may actually want people who are not superbly specialized in one thing, but they would know at least some different aspects from different domains. Because uh, knowing more things can give you more reference points, which is which is good. And now we have a question from Alberto. Maybe Alberto can let us can ask a question. Feel Yo. free. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Hello, this is Alberto. Um, thank you. I uh, I was listening and I heard uh, uh, this story about uh, SRE that Google borrowed. Tell me a little bit more about this. Mm, sorry. Uh, I am involved actually, I started to be involved in some SRE project here in Washington. And this thing brought out some curiosity for myself. Thank you. Cool. Uh, okay. Um, let's say this is also my theory. Big companies can state different things and they have their own, let's say, gravitational pull to prove it. That's that. So, like, who knows the truth? What is the truth, actually? Like, those concepts are are smart, okay? Like, you want to focus on reliability and scalability. So you get some concepts from ITIL, in this case, like SLAs and, 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 and such, like the whole service management concept. You build upon it with your own practices because, like, Google started as a web app company like everything that they do is web related do, do they have some kind of local products i don't think so but i don't also know everything because it's impossible to know everything so like they have built up on that okay google docs google suite like the whole suite gmail browser like youtube whatever else they have and they are building up on that so they need to scale so they have created their own version of developer slash admin, like in those fantasy games like warrior slash mage, <laughs> uh, who will be able to work on the system, on new features, and also to maintain that system that the person built. Because that, that's, that's reasonable that if you build something, like you're the best person to know that. If, if you would hand it over to, to some other people, well, okay, they can eventually know the system, but it will take them time. So it's like a different discipline. And, and those concepts, like, are, are, are they really unique? Maybe it's like people from Google, those engineers or those business people, just, just people from that uh, company, got different bits and pieces from here and there and just combined it in, into a discipline called site reliability engineering. So concepts are not really original in, in, in my opinion but the whole discipline well is original uh yeah thank you thanks now let's see if we have other questions that feel free to ask don't feel afraid 
Come on. It's lonely in here, in this box. <laughs> well, it seems that people are have acquired some knowledge. They are not, let's say, sharing new questions. Maybe you can share them in the chat. And while we're still here, and thank you very much for taking part in this new opportunity, in this new adventure of Cyber Profits, where you were able to expand your knowledge about the future of technology. Thank you, Maiche, for bringing your thoughts, bringing your knowledge and everything that we need to know, because DevOps is just going to keep growing, regardless in the industry that you are, regardless, even if you're running away, IT is everywhere. And this is something that, in my, in my opinion, we are just going to go into a new level in these areas. Thank you very much for everyone. And until the next time, see you, friends. That was a very comprehensive discussion on the topic of DevOps. And I would like to thank both of our guests, Federico and Machi, for making this possible for coming here and speaking about this highly technical topic. And I hope that everyone here can take something home. Personally, I will be taking home this periodic table of DevOps applications. This is like quite, quite insightful. And just please, Maché, send the link. This is quite insightful for all of us. Now, continuing with the meeting, we would like to hear the evaluations. Because in those matters, we're also striving to get better. So we would like to hear how did we do it and how did our speaker do it. Evaluating Federico's speech today, we have Lutsi Navratilova. Thank you, Elga. Um... What a meeting it was, I would say, because Federico's project was on the topic, uh, on the topic create a podcast, and the purpose of this project uh, is to create a podcast about any topic and showcase it in our club. And Federico chose as his topic the theme, the future of DevOps. I believe since we, <laughs> we work in IT, uh, mainly uh, the people who are at this meeting, we were very curious to find out more details about and also what future brings us and i also must say that federico was so brave to create a podcast episode live so well done federico it was very brave from you and you were interviewing your guest Mathieu. and i must say that i learned a lot about devops and also i better understood your point of views and I also felt that you gave us food for thoughts, definitely. Um, uh, I would be happy if you can share the links uh, you promised to Federico also with us, because I'm just curious to find out more about the topics you mentioned. And also, uh, here at Toastmasters meetings, we are more used to classic speech. You know, somebody chooses his topic and he delivers the speech. But today it was definitely different, and Federico was more as a was acting more as a moderator rather than a speaker. And I must say that it uh, Federico did this suits you 
very well and you were uh, very natural and uh, you were very confident in this role and everything basically around as i would say as i felt like you are doing it every week you know it was a, this was your weekly podcast i would say that, that, that was my feeling and what i also like about your let's say moderator role is that you introduced Maciej well and you were also reacting reacting to his hints like when he was showing you seven years in the industry that was it was nice and you also made us feel very welcome not only Maciej but also the whole audience when you were asking us if you have any questions don't hesitate and when somebody raised their hands you uh you know, after Maciej finished his, his answer, you gave, you know, the, the space to the person who wanted to ask their question. It was also very well done. Uh, what else I enjoyed at your, at your moderator role is that, uh, you managed the audience perfectly. I would say that, you know, we all felt that you are the person who is running the show. And you basically know very well what you are supposed to do. It was again well done. And what I also like about your podcast is that it has a structure. It was clear introduction. It was body of the podcast, and you had a clear closing. Um, and since we are at those masters. Um, and we strive to to uh, improve ourselves and improve our um, let's say abilities. I will. I would like to give you two, two. Let's say uh, things you may work on. And the first thing I would recommend is to let's say play with your voice. I mean, you know, be let's say more variety of the words. Make more uh, pauses when you speak about something. Like you know, you you can make this dramatic pause. <laughs> And if you have some very tough question to your guest, and um, that would be my recommendation. But overall, it was a brilliant, educative, and interesting meeting. And I believe that everyone leaves today's Toastmasters meeting with a feeling that we know more about DevOps. Mr. Toastmaster? Lucy Navratilova. Well, you were quite accurate in what you say, Lutzi, because I know Federico for a long time and I know that he has been working on a weekly podcast like for a long time already. <laughs> so he's used to that already. And now we were talking that DevOps, one of the purpose is to shorten the development time. And in Toastmasters, we are also very careful about time. And that is why we would like to hear how did we do it. And I would like to call upon Philip to give us his report on the time. Philip Lukas. Um, thank you for the opportunity to share the uh, time report. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Um, yeah. Let's start with the with the, the Toastmaster uh, Edgar. He he introduced uh, the meeting. Uh, uh yeah in four minutes or uh, 45 seconds uh, so ember then uh, uh 
uh, switched to evaluator Lucia. She went, uh, she, she um, evaluated the speech in four minutes, one second. Uh, so also Amber. Uh, not sure if I should uh, sum up all the all the questions now. Uh, actually, I didn't see myself in the agenda, so I'm actually not sure if uh, all the maybe, questions should be. Maybe just the total time of the speech. Oh, okay. Um, total time. Mm. Yeah, I, I, sorry, I don't have it yet. So I was yeah, mostly checking checking if uh, if the time is uh, yeah within the boundaries uh, for for each question, but. Uh, uh, I'll send, so I'll send the, the overall figure later on. Yeah. I've got the separate timing for all the, all the questions. Sorry for that. That was Philip Luque. Thank you. Yeah. And now there's the only last item in our agenda. What's left and is the evaluation on everything that hasn't been evaluated. And for that role, let me welcome Dirk Rumacher to the stage. Thank you, Edgar. Today, we had a special Toastmasters meeting. Usually, our meetings are following a very rigid structure with prepared speeches, table topics, and evaluations. Today, we changed it a little bit to have something different. And I think it was a very good experience. It was also needed because the project, um, and Edgar already mentioned it in the, the introduction to this meeting, the project is a level four, a higher level project, a project, create a podcast. So it's, it's not just a simple speech, it's a bit more to it. And I think it was also um, um, very well appreciated. I saw that in the beginning, Edgar has advertised this uh, session here, not only on JAMA, like we do always, but also he posted on LinkedIn. Maybe because of that, we had a we have still a quite high number of, of participants. So I counted up until uh, 15 different people who are attending this podcast, uh, attending this session here, um, which is a success, I have to say. So this was really uh, uh, well prepared. This leads me in, in general to uh, my evaluation um, of Edgar as the Toastmaster of this meeting today. So first of all, a good idea to have this um, as a special meeting. That idea was coming from Edgar, and I think um, he should be recommended for that. While you were presenting your introduction, I noticed that you well used gestures to, uh, to, to emphasize what you are talking about. So that was also well done. And I also liked the part that you, in the context of this whole DevOps-themed meeting, you also advertised a little bit Toastmasters in general and Bulls and Bears in, in special. I found also that the explanation that you gave at the beginning of DevOps, um, the first intro, very useful. So that was a good step into the topic. One thing that I observed and which which I could maybe recommend to, to look at at the beginning of the meeting, not at the end, but at the beginning of the meeting, your um, intonation, your flow of words sounded sometimes a little bit chopped off. At the end, it was more fluid, but at the beginning, I... I felt it was a little bit uh, broken up. This leads me to Federico as a presenter. So we already heard that uh, Lucia gave a uh, comprehensive evaluation of um, your speech. So let me uh, put it short, just a few observations and maybe recommendations. Uh, Federico, I think 
one of your big assets is your voice. It's really pleasant. It's it's good for podcasts, for moderating something. So that is, is very good that, that you have this asset. Um, you have prepared your questions well in advance. So, so you knew what to ask. And I think the biggest thing that Federico has done well is he has, uh, for his interview, uh, very well chosen his guest. So thanks go to Mathieu. And because Federico, you chose a guest who has not only a broad knowledge on the topic that you interviewed him about, um, our guest is also not afraid to share his opinion, which makes the whole session more interesting. There may be two things, Federico, that I would recommend. Um, the questions that you've asked, um, they sounded maybe a little too prepared. So I would have wished if once in a while you would have reacted to exactly the things that uh, Mathieu has said and maybe drilled a bit deeper into what, what he just said. So that could maybe increase the liveliness a little bit of the interview. And the second thing um, that I've observed now after this whole session, I feel very well informed about the present and also to some degree about the past of DevOps. But I was waiting also a little bit about the future. So, so what is the future? How would, will it look like in, in a couple of years? So that is maybe something that you could look into if you would do such a session again. Lucia, you have evaluated the uh, main speech, so to say, today. And the first thing that you did well is you explained um, the, the project. That is something that I think um, speech evaluators should always do because it's not always clear for everyone in the audience um, what this project was about and, and what is the goal. So that was a very good thing. And you also properly observed um, the, the traits of, of Federico's uh, project and um, provided positive um, feedback um, on him. And on top, you also gave recommendations what to improve and had a very good conclusion of your evaluation. So I have nothing, um, um, let's say, um, um, recommendations that I give uh, now other than, okay, that was a really good evaluation. Do it like this again. David was our sergeant at arms today, and we did not see much of him. He stayed in the background, but actually that is very good because the whole meeting was running fine. His job as a sergeant of, uh, at arms is to make the meeting running fine, and so he has done a really good job, so, so there were no problems. And finally, we had Philip as our timer. He was very diligent. There was not too many different items that he had to um, um, time today. Um, and I have to say, um, it's also perfectly fine. I, I would say in, in this meeting, in this interview um, um, format, it's not possible. It's not possible and not not use, useful to um, time every um, question altogether. So a time for the whole um, interview that is perfectly fine. Overall, I, I really liked this um, special meeting. It, it was a nice. Um, um, yeah, a nice, nice um, difference to, to our other meetings. And I also like the fact that we have a, a couple of new faces here and, and new members, uh, not new members, but new um, participants in this meeting. And I'm looking forward to seeing all those new people maybe again in two weeks when we have our next more normal meeting. Back to you, Edgar. Dear Kumaka. So we have spoken about GitHub, IntelliJ, Java, Circle, Docker, Production, Test, etc. All of this is comprised in DevOps, and all of this is what we have heard today. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I really hope you have learned something today. And let's remember to always keep on top of what's new, what new technologies are out there, and how can we benefit from all of them.